Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast, where somebody's got to say it. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host, and with me today is Ian Vincent, missionary to the Philippines. How are you doing today? Doing great. Great to be here and excited to be on a podcast. First time to ever speak on a podcast. Wonderful. Well, let me tell you, the the fact that you're on the prestigious, world-famous Bible Thumper (laughs) podcast is a feather in your cap. So um, how long have uh, you and your family been out on the road on deputation? Well, I guess basically you can say since uh, March 2019, that's when we uh, first got into the U.S. um, because uh, we we got married in the Philippines and then kind of in the U.S. doing two things at once, doing our deputation and then uh, getting my wife her immigration to be a U.S. citizen. So uh, kind of a long, really long process, but we're Basically, uh, we see the light at the end of the tunnel, and uh, our plan is to get back to the Philippines by December. Now, you were married in the Philippines. Do I understand it correctly that your wife is a citizen of the Philippines? Yes, that's right. Okay. Now, does that help you in any way? I mean, I know that's not why you married her, but (laughs) does that help with getting into a country as a missionary? Yeah, definitely. Um, Because... Being married to a Filipino citizen, mm-hmm. um, that helps me to basically be uh, visa-free for a whole year. Oh, so, so, so you guys can start out without any paperwork. Yeah. So basically, well, uh, um, I went there single first, and then you know, I met my wife there. And so basically, I tell people and tell my wife, she, she saves me a bunch of money. Probably, uh, oh, let me think here, could be $500, $750 a year just in visa fees and you know extending your visa and all that stuff so definitely she she helps me out a lot (laughs) okay so you have already been over to the philippines that's where Mm -hmm. you met your wife yes sir were you going over there to look at it to see if that was where you wanted to go or did you already know that's where you wanted to um do the work of the lord i already knew that uh, the lord had wanted me there so um graduated from bible college 2012 and then uh did let me think here did a few months deputation because i took a trip to the philippines but uh september 2013 got to the philippines and i was working with a uh, american missionary there and um was going to come back but then my uh sending church my pastor there in kentucky said well you know what you're already over in the philippines um we'll provide you with enough support to get by so why don't you just stay in the Philippines? <laughs> so I basically, I stayed in the Philippines, September 2013, got there, and then I uh, really just stayed there um, basically until I came back in the U.S. Uh, 2019, about three years ago. And you came back just after you got married? Yes, about a year after. Did you bring any of your family over there for the wedding? Yes, uh, actually, I was able to. My parents were there, and my two brothers were there. Um, unfortunately, my other two sisters weren't able to come. One sister had just got married, and she she said that uh, she wanted to save money for a house. And then my other sister, I think she was um, probably, let me think now, 10 or 11, maybe 9 years old by that time. And uh, uh, my parents said she probably can't handle the you know, 14 hour flight to the Philippines. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a long way. That that would definitely be the it, longest I've ever traveled for yeah, a wedding. Uh, let's see, I, I think the whole travel time just from America to the Philippines is about 24 hour period, 24 hours to get there. Wow. With that, layover and everything. Oh, my soul. But yeah, I, I got to have most of my family there and a uh, pretty big wedding, um, kind of like a Filipino style and American wedding style. 
Okay. Now, you guys are almost done with deputation. You said you don't need to do really any paperwork to move over there and get started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once you're there for a year, what are you going to have to do? Um, what I can do um, is basically what they call permanent residence. Mm-hmm. So I can get that. And that's probably the only difference between that and being maybe Filipino citizen is um, you can't vote. And also being a foreigner, you actually can't own any guns in the Philippines. Really? Yeah. Now, once you become a permanent resident, can you? No. And so if so I will be- still be labeled as foreigner. Okay. What other benefit is there to becoming a Filipino citizen other than guns and voting? Um, I guess purchasing land in your own name. Okay. Um, other than that, you know, really can't think of anything else. Will it affect the work you do with missions at all? Uh, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't think so. No. Okay. Now, when you first go over there, I know some missionaries, they are going to get a visa to work uh, with a church. They have their support. And it's actually a case where they're not allowed to get a job in the country that they're going to. They have to live just on the support that they raise. Is that going to be the same in your situation moving over there? Yes, that will be the same. Mostly, actually, that's another thing. As foreigners, I don't think you can really um, uh, work a job there unless you get a work visa. So, yeah, um, you know, which actually is the most cases for missionaries anywhere you go is, you know, they're only supported by uh, churches in America, mm-hmm. and you know their only job is to really start a church to preach the gospel, you know, win souls and build a church. And the Philippines is a wide open country, right? They they know that you are going over there to be a missionary and to work and start a church and see people saved. Correct? Oh yeah, yeah. They're they're very very open country. Um, you know, probably um. One hand, two hands, I can count the number of times people have rejected a gospel track. Wow. So that's that's how just very open they are and um, very – you can preach pretty much freely in uh, the schools, public schools, in prisons. Uh, you can go to police stations, um, probably even go to like um, – uh, what do you call Army camps and, mm-hmm. and preach the gospel there. Now, when you first get over there, are you going to start out working with the church that you were with back in 2013 when you were first there? No, uh, we actually we have our own church now. Um, okay. I, I didn't actually start it, but oh, we are working together with a Filipino man. We've been there now since, um, let me think here, June 2014, been part of that church. And so... Uh, be in prayer for us as well, because we actually uh, we've been working for probably about a year trying to get um, permits and paperwork done so we can start building our own uh, church building. Oh, OK. Wow. That's great. Yeah. And that's been going since 2014. Um, 24. Yeah. Well, it, it, it was before I got there. Mm-hmm. It had already started. But, yeah, I've been part of that church since 2014. Where in the Philippines are you going to be? So it is, if you actually, I got it on my card on the back. Um, but kind of, I would say basically kind of in the middle of mm-hmm. the Philippines, you go to uh, um, the west, western part. It's labeled as Western Visayas. So our island is Negros Occidental. Um, it's uh, not, not, not that too famous. I guess if you know Cebu City or Cebu Island, uh, they're one of the major cities of the Philippines, and they're just to the east of us. Now, how 
the Philippines is a lot of islands. Oh yeah. How many islands make up the country? So officially, it is uh, seven thousand one hundred seven. <laughs> Obviously, they're not all occupied. <laughs> no, I believe uh, the number is uh, over twenty one hundred are occupied. Wow. Okay. And the island that you're going to, I mean, that certainly looks like it's one of the largest of the, you know, largest five or six islands. Uh, I'm not for sure how much uh, land land size it would be. I do know if, if you take uh, uh, all of the land mass of the Philippine Islands, mm -hmm. it can fit inside the state of Arizona. No kidding. So if you think about that, if you think our population is uh, over 109 million people, so all of those people living basically inside the state of Arizona, but, you know, separated into all these different islands. Yeah. Wow. So there must be some pretty uh, large cities that are built up and there's a, a dense population. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's a, there's, there's a, a, a few number of cities that are major cities. Our, our place is 77,000 people and it's only really classified as a town because we're I guess you could say kind of out in the country uh, on my prayer card, and maybe I can share this later on the Facebook page, but mm -hmm. we have a uh, volcano that's at the backdrop of our town. So, you know, kind of out in the country. Um, really, if you go from the center of the town, you can probably drive five, eight, maybe ten minutes outside, and, you know, the whole circumference of the town, and that's basically the whole town center. Oh, no kidding. So kind of small, but, uh, you know, people are spread out. Now you mentioned volcanoes. Mm -hmm. Is the Philippines on the Ring of Fire? It is. It is actually. Because <laughs> you guys had one famous one. I don't know if it was part of the Philippines. Krakatoa. Krakatoa. That doesn't sound familiar. It's a small island, and I think it's about halfway between Australia and the Philippines. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere, oh. but it was one of the largest volcanic eruptions. In modern history, I think it was in the late 1800s, like in the 1890s. Anyway, mm. it, it was interesting. I was just wondering if it was, you know, maybe part of the Philippines. That's uh, okay. Can't but, say I know of it. I'll, <laughs> I'll probably Google search yeah, it here in a it's minute. It's an obscure question. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to know that one. So, uh, your wife's family must be pretty excited that you are going to be doing work in the Philippines. So, their daughter yeah. is going to be close by. Oh, yeah, oh, definitely. And actually, uh, my mother-in-law, um, her house is only 15 minutes from where our church is. <laughs> oh, get out of here. That yeah, was my yeah. next question was how <laughs> close, you know, are they uh, in the country to where you guys are going to be working? Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm really blessed. I have such a good mother-in-law, maybe unlike some other people out there, you know. But <laughs> mm, yep. I've been blessed because she, she, she's told us that uh, she has an extra land lot, you know, just a uh, few paces away from her house she has a couple of fruit trees there but she has said that uh, we can just build our house there no kidding yeah, yeah wow that's great that's a great uh great start oh yeah. yeah helps us out a lot so you are with fbmi is that correct yes can you tell the folks at home what fbmi is so fbmi that would stand for a uh, fundamental baptist missions international it's um I guess you could say one of the one of the biggest mission boards for uh, for missionaries, and uh, basically what they do is you know a missionary will travel from church to church and present their ministry, uh, maybe preach and uh, try to get support from churches so that they can be full time uh, as a missionary, as a preacher, as a uh, preaching the gospel on the foreign field, and so churches will 
uh, try to help those missionaries. And usually what they'll do, they'll send their support, money support to these mission boards like FBMI. And FBMI just kind of basically uh, takes that money in. It's like a record keeper. They'll send you a receipt and sort of like almost like a, a bit of accountability between the missionary and the churches and, you know, whatever uh, for, for tax reasons, all that good stuff. And even some mission boards, mine, um, they provide health insurance for us as well. Oh, really? Yes. And they're going to get the money uh, into the currency that you need. They have the experience with getting the money overseas and into the bank that you need. Yeah. So what I do is I actually have a bank set up, a bank account set up already in the Philippines. So mm -hmm. um, actually what they do, they, they just send it to my U.S. bank and then... I can just transfer that electronically to my uh, Philippines bank. That's great. Cause let me tell you, that is not the case for every missionary. Mm. Sometimes in some countries it's pretty difficult and having a missions agency or a missions board is helpful because, you know, if someone were to say, Hey, Patrick, I, you know, from our church, I want to be a missionary over here and I'd like to go through our local church and be like, Oh, great. I'm just going to reinvent the wheel. Cause I have no experience <laughs> with this whatsoever, you know? So that's great that, um, you know, you're, you're with a missions board. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, you are very different from a lot of missionaries that are ending deputation in that mm -hmm. you've already been in country right. and yep. you have several years of experience over there. Yes, that's right. I, I feel like this is a terribly ignorant question and it shows the lack of prep I did for this. What, <laughs> what language do they speak over there? Oh, no, that's no problem. So they... Um, English is actually part of their official language. Oh, but, thank the Lord. <laughs> but they do have uh, their own language. You can call it Filipino or uh -huh. Tagalog is the name of it. Um, but it's interesting because I, I mentioned before, there's so many different islands. So each different island kind of has their own local dialect. So the island that we are on, the dialect is called Alango. So this is pretty interesting. On our island, it's... Uh, uh, politically split in half. So we're in the northern half and we speak Alango because the island next to us, west of us, is Panay Island and the major city of there is uh, Iloilo. So Ilango comes from Iloilo. The southern part of the island, they're facing Cebu City. So they actually speak Cebuano, a different dialect. How different are these dialects? Are they so it's it's different enough to where you know I'm Alango, and if you cross the uh, into the southern part of our island, and you try to speak your dialect, they really can understand you. So that's no how different kidding. it is. And even though some of the letters, they're they're switched differently in words from you know our dialect to the next dialect. I'll tell you what that Tower <laughs> of Babel incident really <laughs> yeah. messed stuff up. I, I tell you another thing is uh, so I'm half Filipino. My mom's Filipino. Born in the Philippines, I was born and raised in America, and my mom, her dialect is Ilocano, so that's a different dialect, and that is from the mainland, Luzon. And your mom and dad still live here in the States? Yes, they do. Any chance they're going to move over to the Philippines to be with their... Oh, who knows? Maybe, because my, my dad has actually been pretty involved in, in our uh, ministry that we have in our church. It's, we do a tent revival every year. And so I think he's been part of it now for three or four years. So basically almost every year they, they've been able to come over and uh, be a part of that. Okay. So let me ask you this. Um, 
a missionary who has been on the field, has experience over there, is about finished with deputation. You've been through a lot. Mm-hmm. What is keeping us from having missions be successful? If you had to say, okay, what are the what are the three things that you see that we can change to you know, to be more successful, to make this thing happen. Is mm-hmm. it, is it us over here and, and support? Is it difficulties in the country? What is it? You know, it's a very good question. Um, I guess maybe I could try to be broad here to include, you know, any missionary going to any foreign field. Sure. Uh, for me, I don't know about other missionaries, but one of the struggles is, uh, you know, trying to initially contact pastors and, try to uh, set up a meeting with them i think we could probably number one would be somehow make some type of better communication between missionaries and pastors as far as setting up meetings because you know it's, it's very funny because sometimes i'll call pastors and their their voicemail or their church voicemail will say you know we will get back to you but many times and you know i understand you know they get probably maybe dozens of calls from missionaries but you know they don't get back to you yeah. Um. So I found out the most best way to contact the pastor would be through email. Mm-hmm. So that, that helps out a lot. Um. But uh, as that's number one, I'd say communication between uh, pastors and missionaries, setting up meetings. Um. Do you find? Do you have trouble setting up meetings anywhere? Is there anything that you found will keep a pastor from wanting to have a missionary come to their church? And I only ask you this question because I ask every missionary I talk to this question, and some of them I found, you know, there are some similar issues that um, let me think unfortunately here. keep. Sometimes you know, it might be from you know what Bible college you graduated from. Yep, that can be, that could be one thing. <laughs> um, uh, I have a missionary friend of mine. He uh, told me once that a uh, a a church and a pastor dropped his support. Because he grew out a beard. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, yeah, true story. And they said that they, uh, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, they said that. Um, wow. So they wouldn't have supported like you know Jesus or Moses or <laughs> yeah. Aaron or basically you know just about anybody we read about in the Bible. Yeah. Um, That's I don't terrible. know. Sometimes it it could be just the pastor's preference. Uh, now, for instance, some pastors they will only support uh, uh, missionaries from one type of a mission board, like mm-hmm. maybe FBMI or another famous one is BIMI mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, they'll support only missionaries who start their own churches. So, you know, automatically that would take me, me out of the running for support. So sometimes it's like, I don't know, just the pastor's preferences. Yeah. I'll tell you what, we take a little bit of a different view over here at our church. And, and let me tell you, I've been an independent Baptist for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. I know the groups. I know <laughs> what we're talking about. And it's a shame because I always look at it as, you know, anyone that's willing to leave the comforts of America and air conditioning to go to another country, you know, and try to do the work of the Lord. I I, I think it's terrible when they have to fight to get support. You yeah. know, for me, it's like, man, we need to figure out a way to get these guys supported and out onto the mission field, you know, as soon as possible yeah, and I'll, get them going. I'll, going back to your original question, you said three things. That would be the second thing I would say um, trying to get missionaries to the mission field is, you know, pastors kind of being open about support because uh, there's been, you know, maybe a lot of meetings I've been to where the 
there's no mention of support, uh, you know, or if we will support you or if we will not. So just kind of trying to be open. I know it might be kind of making your, as a pastor, making yourself vulnerable saying, you know, I don't know if we have this much money or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it depends on the missions giving or that, but just trying to be open. So at least the missionary kind of, at least kind of knows what to expect. Yeah, no, that's yeah. a good point. For uh, the third thing, I don't know if I've thought that far. Um, you know, I would I will say this that it's interesting that there's a lot of missionaries that are getting older, getting mm-hmm. old, and there's not really uh, younger missionaries coming up behind them to kind of sort of take their place. You know, for instance, that American missionary I started first started working with in the Philippines, he is uh, let's see in his seventies, and there probably could be a Filipino man to kind of take his place, but you know he's getting old, he's getting some health problems, and you know who's gonna who's gonna take his place? And there's so, not many. I could say I don't know. I don't know about the country as a whole, but kind of personally, from what I've seen, not too many missionaries are being called into the field as, as far as maybe like my generation or, you know, the younger generation. Mm-hmm. So with an older missionary that's in a field that's already, you know, established a work, they have a church, they've been doing it for 20, 30 years, something like that. Yeah. Aren't they hoping to raise up somebody that's local that could take over that work or do they actually need more folks that are willing to step up and, you know, that's true. From I, America. It's probably um, depending on the situation, um, maybe half and half. I don't know. Uh, probably would be better to train up uh, someone of that nationality to continue on the work. Um, you know, I, I, I just think of, you know, those missionaries who've come before us, maybe even like hundreds of years ago. Like, you know, you think of Hudson Taylor, mm-hmm his story of when he went to China and then coming back to America and, you know, pleading with churches, you know, we need more missionaries. We need more uh, young people to to join in the mission work, to join the mission field. And, you know, today you don't really see that much, you know, Hudson Taylor had dozens, hundreds of people joining his mission work, but, you know, you don't really see that today. Um, you know, I, so I just say it depends on the situation, um, if you would want a national uh, national pastor to join you in your work or uh, American missionary, or at least for, for my experience, what I was able to do, you know, still being single, being able to go to the Philippines to the mission field and uh, being able to work with an older missionary to actually get, you know, what do you call it? Uh, on the job training, OJT, oh, yeah. you know, so that, that was tremendous help to me. And uh, I know, uh, I think the missionary that was here maybe a few weeks ago, Greg Fryer, I think he is going to go first starting off working with the older missionary. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe at least something like that for younger missionaries to work with the older missionary to get more experience and to, you know, be on the field. That That's a great opportunity. Let's go. Uh, let's back up quite a ways. Did you grow up in a Christian home? Yes, yes, I did actually. So, um, I don't exactly have the testimony of my wife because she she was faithful to church nine months before she was born. You know, okay. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so she she grew up in church. And sure. Basically, I kind of grew up in church too. Maybe since um, oh six or seven year olds, uh, something like that. That seems like for me, you know, basically my whole life was kind of spent in church. So okay, um, I'll tell you about my my dad. He was in the navy as a sailor, and he met my mom in the Bay Area. 
and you know they got married. I was born, and my dad's from Kentucky, so that's my Kentucky side of me. Okay. But uh, after he got married, he really uh, made the decision to really have a Christian family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to tithe and to be faithful to church. So you know, that's really all I've known. So I've been blessed to really have a Christian home all my life. Do you have any? Uh, you said you have two brothers and two sisters. Yep. So uh, five of us all together. I'm uh, the oldest of the five. Did you guys travel around with your dad? Was he stationed in a lot of places? I know some military families have right. to travel quite a bit. Well, uh, he, I think, let me think here. I think he was only in the Navy for two or three years. <laughs> so he said that was enough for him. So he got out. Okay. But uh, uh, he, uh, he's, he's a, we talked before, he's an electrician. So he owns his own electrical business. And so since basically uh, age 13, I've been able to work with my dad. And hey, think of that. You know, a missionary to be a preacher, we uh we what are Christians, we are the light of the world. Yep. So I came from a pretty good background being an electrician. Being an electrician. Lighting up a house. We now I'm lighting up the world. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, uh one of the biggest complaints I get from uh guys that are at a Bible college and in the field is they wish they had more experience in construction. They all say the same thing. They're like, man, I never would have guessed how much hanging drywall, you know, was involved in church work, you know, when they yeah. start out. Yeah. So that's great that yeah, you have an experience it's like been that. pretty valuable for me. I've been able to actually even do some electric work in our church and uh, even in my mother-in-law's house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, your dad got out of the Navy. Um, mm-hmm. Your mom and dad met in the Bay Area, and I'm yeah. guess, uh, guessing that's where they got married. And that's mm-hmm. where he was stationed. Yeah. After that, where did you guys move to? So I was born in San Francisco, and then we moved to uh, Kentucky, uh, Western Kentucky in Owensboro. So that's where okay. I was pretty much uh, raised and grew up for most of my life. And that's where your sending church is out of, correct? Yep. Yes. Okay. So then uh, FBMI, that's associated with First Baptist Church of Hammond? Yes, that's right. And uh, and is that where you went to Bible college? Yep. I graduated from Hiles Anderson, uh, went there from 2008 to 2012. And then I mentioned earlier, you know, did a few months deputation and pretty much a year later, I was on the mission field. Okay. So um, tell us about your time in Bible college. Uh, Did you know you wanted to be involved with missions before going? Did the Lord get a hold of your heart and speak to you about missions when you were there? Um, So before I went to Bible college, I had already uh, felt the call of God on my life to be a missionary. So. Mm -hmm. I made that decision in uh, 2005, and what uh, helped me towards that direction was I took a mission trip to Mexico, okay, um, to Juarez, Mexico, so right across the border from El Paso, Texas, and I, I did that in 2004, and then second time went in 2005, and then after that second trip, made that decision to be a missionary because that was my first time going outside of America, and then just to see these people, pretty much poor people, you know, living in in uh these very you know poorly constructed house houses made out of uh um you know pallets Mm -hmm. basically and just to see them how happy they were to receive the gospel i was like wow you know what if what if that's uh what i can do with my life and what if that's what god wants me to do and so yeah 2005 made that decision and um went to bible college already knowing i was going to be a missionary but I didn't know where. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe Mexico, since you know that's where I first got the burden for missions, or the Philippines, since my background is Filipino, my mom being Filipino. Had you been to the Philippines? You had not been to the Philippines. 
by that time, though, correct? No, not yet. Okay. Uh, I did get to go in 2011 in the summer between my junior year and senior year and uh, was able to be there for like, uh, let me think, six or eight weeks and was able to kind of work in the church, get some experience. And a funny story is when I first went there, got out of the airport in the capital city in Manila, and the first thing I saw was KFC. <laughs> get out of here. So I was like uh, a call, uh, a sign from God, you know, me being from Kentucky yep. and seeing Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> that, was, that was enough. You <laughs> yeah. knew that could be the place. But uh, uh, let's see. I think it was junior year, senior year. Um, uh I felt like God wanted me to be in the Philippines because uh, my freshman year, I uh, started going to a missions prayer meeting. They had it once a week and, you know, I didn't know what to pray for. So I thought, well, you know, I'll just start praying for missionaries in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. So started praying for missionaries in the Philippines. You know, I would email them, ask them, what are your um, prayer requests? And then, you know, I just started praying, God, please save the Filipino people. Please save the Philippines. And after just praying that prayer so many times, and it just seemed like I, you know, God wanted me in the Philippines. So I became sort of like my own answer to my own prayer. So like, yeah, by my uh, junior, senior year, especially after that trip to the Philippines, I really felt like that's where God wanted me. In Bible college, is it hard to meet girls once you've decided you're going to be a missionary because uh, all of a sudden you're saying you know if this works out and we get married we're yeah. going far away you, and, know? you know that's kind of in the back of my mind you know because okay. um to date someone you know for me you know yeah. yeah i have to date with the attention of you know you might marry this person oh yeah so, sure so um it, it is funny because i i've uh in the college uh Highlands College. There are a couple of Filipino girls there, so actually, I I kind of tried to date all the Filipino girls because I, <laughs> sure. you know, me being Phil there's not much Filipinos in Kentucky. Fair enough. So uh, um, I did have a few dates, but you know, mm -hmm. obviously, I wasn't able to find a wife in the college. Yeah. But uh, praise the Lord, I you know went to the Philippines. Two months after I got in the Philippines, I uh, met my well, she wasn't my wife then, but I met met my wife and met her on my birthday. Oh, okay. Yeah. And and she was she involved with the church that you were uh working with? Yeah. Uh no. Um she was involved in her own church. Her home church was only just 30 minutes from where our church is. Okay. And there's actually a connection there because a graduate from her church's Bible college, I believe, started this church. Oh, okay. Yeah. The one that you went to back in 2013. Or the one that 2014, 2014. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. And that's the one that you're going back to. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. Okay. Small world. Yeah. So it, uh, um, it pretty neat how, how God kind of worked that out. You know, I did, you know, I really did try to find a wife from Bible college, but I couldn't find her there. Had to find her in the mission field. What are you going to do? <laughs> and the funny thing is, you know, I, I wanted originally to go to a different Bible college, uh, North Valley Baptist church. Mm -hmm. if you heard of them in Santa Clara, California, because, a lot of Filipinos are over there. <laughs> okay, so uh, now, so one of my one of my good friends that I've had on here, his name is uh, Scott Link, and uh, he graduated from oh, okay. um, what's it called not North Valley Baptist Church, but what's the Bible College for with Golden Brother State? Chief? Golden State. Yeah, yeah, and he was telling oh. me uh, he was telling me the same thing. <laughs> yeah, 
So, um, <clears throat> but that makes sense. I mean, being yeah, that yeah. it's, you know, in the Bay Area and it's a short, oh, yeah, a lot you know, of Filipinos over there. you got it, a shorter flight. That makes sense. <laughs> you might be the only Filipino in Western Colorado <laughs> right now. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a huge population that I'm aware of. Mm. Yeah. Let's see. I'm trying to think if we met any Filipinos in Colorado lately. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will tell you though. Actually, we have because we found a Filipino restaurant in uh, Aurora, Colorado. Really? Yeah. Was it any good? It was. It was pretty good. We are actually because because we've drove to California. Let's see, once this year, <laughs> twice last year. Mm -hmm. So we pretty much always come through Denver. So yeah, we we've been there a few times. Now, something I didn't ask about before. You said you started um, uh, the Mission Prayer Meeting. No, no, no. In 2019, you started deputation. Oh, deputation, yes, sir. So you started right before COVID, COVID. and this whole mess. Yeah, well, interesting. That could not have been easy. Interesting thing. we uh, I mentioned earlier, our, one of our ministries of our church is a tent revival that we do. Mm -hmm. So we Down in Kentucky or no, over in, the in, the, in the Philippines? No, in the Philippines. Okay. So, uh, and of course, the last one was in 2020. The, <laughs> listen How'd to, that go? Oh, listen to this. It, actually, it went really good. The, the dates of it was March 8, 9, and 10. Mm -hmm. First two nights, we had over 1,000 people there. And the last night was our biggest attendance ever. We had over 2,000 people for that last night. And, uh, you know, I have a picture on my prayer card. If you see it, you know, there's no face mask, definitely no six feet social sure, distancing. Yeah, of course so not. this was right before everything happened. Actually, the day after our tent revival happened, the uh, WHO, World Health Organization, declared mm -hmm. a worldwide pandemic. Wow. And so it's just by the grace of God, the power of God, nobody ever got sick. But, uh, you know, he worked in our tent revival. But unfortunately, uh, when we were supposed to come back to America just a few days after that, we couldn't because the Philippines shut down all the airports, all the seaports. So nobody could get in. Nobody could get out because of uh, COVID. So it was basically a whole country lockdown. That was a pretty serious <laughs> yeah. lockdown. So we, we were stuck there, actually, until... So we, you know, we got there in February. We're mm -hmm. supposed to come back in March for about a month, but you know, got stuck there, and we didn't come back until July later that year, 2020. Wow! So, so like half of 2020, we didn't do any deputation at all. We were in the Philippines, stuck. Okay, so then when you got back over to stateside, um, were there any difficulties with churches and you know number of people they can have and churches not meeting? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, I don't know if you know of uh, Pastor Corey Sulian in um, Longmont. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So North we had, to Denver, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We actually had a missions conference with him. Let me think here. I think it was in September, and um, uh, he actually had uh, three different services for some morning. Uh, because of COVID, just to try to accommodate all the people. No kidding. So you <laughs> schedule them out, and, and it, this well, it third was like goes to this one, yeah. and then this one. And it was like one right after the other. So that was sure. That was a long Sunday. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, huh? How yeah. early did you start the services? Oh, let's see. Because they'd have to be shorter, right? It was either by eight o'clock or nine o'clock. You know, the first yeah. service, and then you could. And then you, that'd be tough because how would you even <laughs> fit in Sunday school or make that yeah. work? So I basically yeah. there was no Sunday school. It was just, you know, that one service. Yep. Uh, you know, well, one Sunday morning service that each people could attend mm -hmm. three different times, three different services. But it was the same, the same preacher, you know, oh, yeah. the same message. Yeah. Sure. And then, you know, regular Sunday night service. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, 2020 was a definitely interesting year. We, it was very slow, and but then it was 2021 was when things started to really pick up. 
Yeah, things were a lot better here in Mesa County, Colorado than a lot of places in America. Oh, yeah, you know, sure. I was talking to friends that, you know, are pastors of churches in different states. And boy, depending on where you were, they were serious about oh, stuff. Yeah. I mean, they really locked it down. You know, here in Mesa County, uh, one pastor that I know, the county called him and basically said, hey, we got a report that, you know, you guys are not wearing your masks and you guys are not staying as far apart as you should. And we'd like to uh, come in and, you know, just train you as to how you need to do it. <laughs> and the pastor, you know, very nicely said to this young lady that worked for the county, he's like, look, our church is the group that is not going to listen to you. He's like, you're welcome to come and you're welcome to teach us whatever you want. I'm just telling you the type of people that are totally against all of this, they <laughs> go to our church. Oh, so it's funny. not going to happen, mm -hmm. but you're welcome to do whatever you like. So, you know, run that up the flagpole, talk to your superiors <laughs> and let me know what you'd like to do, yeah. you know? And uh, he said, that was it. Never heard a word about it, oh, wow. you know? So wow. in, in some places where there was resistance, they're like, you know what? We've got 99% of the county complying. We're just going <laughs> to turn our head and kind of ignore this. Yeah. And then there are other places like just up Valley in Vail, where if you were without a mask walking down the street, the cops were going to write you a ticket. Wow. That's like up the mountains too. Oh it? yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was, it was something else. Whereas oh. when they came out with the mask mandates here in Grand Junction, Colorado, that very first morning, the sheriff gets on, you know, the news and says, we don't have time to write tickets for masks. <laughs> so that's what yeah. we're doing. We have real police work to do. Right. So, you know, it's between you and God, what you want to do with a mask, <laughs> but we're not going to get involved. Oh, I could, I could uh, probably tell you horror stories in the Philippines. Yeah. Americans probably couldn't uh, uh, make it over there. And, you know, for me, myself as a missionary, you know, I'm in a foreign country and, I have to abide sure. by these laws and rules or whatever they set out in the Philippines or else, you know, I could possibly, you know, I don't know, go to jail or get kicked out of the country and you lose your ministry. You yeah. Lose your church. And I'll tell you, you know, you miss about the, the police and, uh, whereas in veil, if you mm -hmm. wear a face mask, you could be, or not wearing a face mask, you could be written a ticket. So that actually almost happened to me in the Philippines. I was in the capital city of our island and uh, parked my car across the street and was going to cross the street to go to Dunkin' Donuts. Before I did, I got to the stoplight at the crosswalk and realized, oh, I don't, I don't have my face mask. So I went back to my car and I had a couple of my friends in there. And I said, hey, you know, I forgot my face mask. And they said, oh, look, there's a guy there. And it was a traffic officer mm -hmm. following me. He was about to write me a ticket because I didn't have a face mask on. No kidding. And yeah. you were just going back to your car to get it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I grabbed it and I said, hey, you know, I, I got it right here. You know, no yeah. need for a ticket. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we really had a lockdown um, the whole month of April. We had to shut down our church services for about six weeks. Mother's Day was actually our first day back in church, wow. you know, in 2020. But uh, during that time, yeah, they were very strict. And where we were staying at, we were actually staying at my mother-in-law's house at that time. And that was just outside of the town limits. Mm -hmm. So if your address was not in the town, you couldn't enter the town. So if, even if we did have church services, I couldn't even get into the town because, you did, know. Did they have like roadblocks set up? They did. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, they had police set up there. So, you know, funny, funny story. 
during that whole month, you know, we I couldn't even go to the church or even visit church people in the town. And so um, one of our church workers came came kind of to the border of the town. And there's basically a bridge they had to cross to get into the town. So we met him at the bridge so that I can hand my tithes to the church. <laughs> you know, it was funny because it almost felt like a drug deal. You know, yeah, we're sure. gonna meet this person at Let's this just bridge. Let's do it after and... sundown so, <laughs> yeah. so that no one can see. So us. it was it was crazy. It was very strict. And even during that time, what they did was at least for our town, it may have been different other places, but you had to have a um, what they call it a quarantine pass. A, a just basically a little card from the local government saying that you're the one designated person that will go outside the house to buy to groceries get, and stuff. Because that was my next question when yeah. you said that someone outside of the city limits couldn't go in. Yeah. Was that were there enough services outside of the city where you could go grocery shopping and get everything you needed? Well, fortunately, there there is another town. Well, it's actually a city. It's bigger than our our town where the church is. It's mm -hmm. just. Uh, 15 minutes away and so we that's where i went and our and address in there yeah our address is part of that city oh okay so but then even then at the city limits they had a uh you know police checkpoint they would actually check if you had the quarantine card with you wow and then they actually i think one of them initialed it and put in the um you know the date that you went in to the town so yeah it was it was pretty crazy but you know for me you know most filipinos i guess you could say are pretty pretty patient people you know they put mm -hmm. up with a lot of stuff yeah so you know i was like you know okay whatever whatever i have to do you yeah know? that's what it and is for right me now. it was kind of like uh kind of like a you know kind of funny to me you know like wow they go to such extreme measures to get all this stuff done but you know it didn't really bother me too much <laughs> were people still meeting in their homes or getting together for bible studies or anything like that i know wh what the government was like but yeah. what were the filipino people like did they were they putting up with it or were they thinking, you know what, we still want to get together and we don't want to just give up everything? Yeah. For the most part, they they pretty much put up with it. You know, um, of course, you know, a lot of them did complain too as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I complained myself a little bit, but, you know, we put up with it. So, and uh, yeah, it, uh, uh, it was interesting. You know, for instance, I'll tell you, I went to the bank during that time one time and, uh, uh, they had a makeshift sink outside. You had to wash your hands with soap mm -hmm. and then use hand sanitizer afterwards. And then they had a book at the entrance. The guard was there and he would have you sign your name and your phone number, you know, I guess for contact tracing, you know, okay. if ever someone got sick with COVID and they could tell you oh, on this day you were there, and, sure, you know, whatever. So, uh, yeah, stuff like that. They're just so strict over there. And I think even just now, last let's see may last month i think they just opened up now for those with a tourist visa to they can now enter the philippines i think first time in two years are do they have any requirements as far as getting the shot um let's see i know that if you have got the shot you know if you got vaccinated then i think pretty much you don't have to quarantine once you enter the philippines at the airport mm -hmm. but they do say that you have to go to you know your final destination your home whatever and then you can quarantine there if you're not vaccinated i think you have to quarantine pretty much at a hotel near the airport for three days seven days something like that seven wow. days and that's paid at your own expense oh and it, and it has to be a hotel that's approved by the government 
that's got to be cutting into tourism. I mean, that's oh, got to yeah, be killing yeah. it. Well, is tourism a pretty major part of the economy in the Philippines? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. I mean, with all those islands, I got to oh, imagine yeah. <laughs> there's beautiful views of the ocean there everywhere. Is. Definitely. Yeah. You know, for instance, I'll tell you the missionary I know, he, he went back to the Philippines um, a few months ago, last year, December. And that was that during that time, you still had a quarantine, whether or not you were vaccinated. So he had a quarantine, you know, for... Uh, a week in a hotel and he had uh let's see four kids five kids so you know all of them together in one room and they actually if i'm correct they had to spend christmas in the hotel because they were still during that quarantine time wow so pretty crazy so you know pretty amazing for us on deputation as we're finishing up looking to go back in december all of these restrictions have been kind of relaxed a bit and so fortunately for us it'll be I would say easier for us now to get in the Philippines. Yeah, it seems like it's dying down yeah. everywhere and it's getting a lot easier. So unless, you know, there's a new variant that crops up and yeah. <laughs> rears well, its ugly head. Yeah, you never know. I mean, I guess that's still a possibility. Of course, we're supporting one missionary who was supposed to be in Ukraine by now. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you never know what's gonna keep you, you know, or what oh, yeah. difficulties might show up. So now you have a two-year-old son is that correct yes okay mm -hmm. and he was born in the states or over there born here in the states okay uh does and do you have to do any paperwork with him do you have he has to have a uh, passport and go through anything to to go on over to the philippines yeah he, he would need his passport um which is funny he he was already born when we went to the philippines in 2020 you know mm -hmm. and we got stuck there in the philippines because of covid so he we um um, we went to the government office, got his passport. <laughs> it's funny because we got his picture, his picture on his passport, but now he looks so much different from you know that baby picture when oh, he was yeah. four or five months old. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and that passport will last him, I think, five years until he's five years old. So. How can you even identify <laughs> a five-year-old from yeah, it's, a baby it's picture? Funny. But uh, um, yeah, so he needs a passport. Uh, he's a U.S. citizen, mm -hmm. and but because also his mother's Filipino, so. Mm -hmm. Uh, in the Philippines, we can actually process his Filipino citizenship and passport, so he can he can be dual citizen. I was wondering, does that happen when you get your citizenship over there, or does he have to be filed separately, as far as paperwork? Um, you know what I mean. Do, yeah. do the kids go along with the parents, so whatever level the parents are at, the kids get the same treatment? I think most of the time, yes. Um, for him, for him though, you would have to process. I don't think we can process it in the U.S. So he'll, yeah, he'll have to process it in the Philippines. Um, but because his mom is a Filipino citizen, it'll be easier for him to become one as well. Yeah. yeah. And then you have dual citizenship for him, but for uh, me, I don't. Sure, not yeah. yet. Maybe, no. well, maybe in the future. You know, just permanent residence, but basically almost like being a citizen. Okay. Uh, how far along are you with your deputation? Yeah, so I mentioned we're 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 seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Okay. So we got eighty three percent right now. Okay. So we're uh, we basically need uh, let me think here need six seven probably seven more churches at hundred dollars that would get us up to where you need to the one hundred percent score. Yeah. What's the percentage of churches that take you on? How many <clears throat> churches you got to hit? You know, so you say okay, we need whatever, a hundred churches. How many so, do you have to hit in order to get that hundred? It's a good question. Um, I haven't really thought about it because it's, 
Deputation. I'm a math guy, yeah. so numbers always come to my mind. It's it's all been kind of a blur because we're yeah. all these different churches and different situations. Um, you know, I, I really can't say. I'll I'll tell you that we need uh, for our support level, we need uh, you know 40, 40 churches at hundred dollars a month. And so some churches, they vary in their giving. You know, we got some at 50, 65. We got quite a few. Most of our support is $100 a month. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's some that will give actually a little bit more than that. But um, it all depends. You know, it depends on the country, how much support that you need, how big is your family. But definitely you need to hit the whatever number that is, hit, the, hit that over number. So we need 40 churches. So you probably need to contact. I don't know, at least I would say 80 churches to try to at least get meetings. And then maybe of those meetings of churches you have, not all of them is going to support you. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So now you obviously have a bunch of friends who are missionaries, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, do. in Bible college, you were taking some classes that were specific to missions. And yeah. I'm guessing only the guys that want to be in missions and the ladies that want to be in missions take those classes. So mm-hmm. yeah. the missionary group is a small group that where everyone knows everyone right okay so what do you find as far as you get the support you need you get over there and then i would be concerned that some number of churches over time stop supporting you because you know the the pastor retires the church fizzles out you know i mean who knows what happens so um is it kind of expected that after so many years you'll have to come back and raise some more support? Oh yeah, definitely. Especially uh, if your family grows. Oh yeah, <laughs> and because it's funny. all of a sudden you go from one to six kids, yeah. and it's like, well, this isn't going to cut it anymore. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny. You look at a lot of missionaries today, and uh, most times they actually have you know pretty they big have a families. Lot of kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why is that? You know, I I don't know. Maybe because. Uh, they're kind of lonely, I guess. Yeah, yeah. They don't <laughs> to know have their own family, sure. you know, yeah. their own sort of culture, American culture, or yeah. or maybe they take literally the to go and multiply on the whole earth. You know? Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. Quiver full of arrows. Yeah, but definitely, um, I I don't know what the um, uh, norm is today, but uh, you know, it used to be, you know, missionary maybe would be on the field for four years and then come back for a year of furlough, you know what they would call coming back to America and just kind of reporting to their supporting churches and then gaining new churches to support them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe the norm is being in the mission field for four years and then maybe coming back. Uh, I don't know. Th- or no, no, excuse me. Maybe it might be two or three years on the mission field and then coming back for, um, I don't know, three or six months at a time. Something mm-hmm. like that. And that's got to be hard to come back, especially if you just started a new church, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to leave that for any amount of time and come back. That'd be tough. Yeah, it, it is. And, uh, you know, we, you know, last time in the Philippines, we were there in basically July 2020. So we're coming up on probably, yeah, about two years. It'll be probably about two and a half December by the time we get back. So uh, it's it's been kind of a long journey for us, and we're definitely we're we're now at that stage. Eighty three percent. We're you so excited to get. It. We can feel it. And you know, my wife. Okay, she was you know born and raised in the Philippines, so mm-hmm. she uh, she's definitely missing the Philippines and probably most of all the Filipino food. Okay. <laughs> all right. So you're hoping by December you guys mm-hmm. will be over there and beginning in 2023 you'll be in country and moving right along 
Yep, yep. And we're we're praying for it. And we actually have three big prayer requests about that. Is of course we're at eighty three percent. So we ideally we want to be at one hundred percent before we get back there. And then also we we are ex- actually expecting our second child. Oh, get out of here! So, yeah. Okay. So the due date's in September, and so you know, it's uh, I believe that would be good enough time. Three months old. Uh, baby can fly over mm-hmm. and then my wife is uh working on her citizenship mm-hmm. for her citizenship we're at the point we just have to apply for that citizenship have those papers approved and uh, i think it takes six months what the immigration officer told us and then she can have her interview you know take the oath and uh that would, that would take care of it so a lot of things to kind of get done before we get there but it's all kind of tying in together now Okay. Yeah. Uh, how often do you get back to your home church in Kentucky? Um, let's see. So we we've been gone since last week of March. Well, let's see. No, let me think back here. February, we were there once, and yeah, this last time we've really been there. Wow. So we we've been traveling since yeah, basically February, and uh, this is actually our last meeting before we get back to Kentucky. We'll be in Kentucky for probably about a week and a half. And then uh, head to North Carolina. We're in, after that, we're in Cincinnati, Ohio. We'll go up to Chicago area and, you know, be gone for another, like, two months. So uh, not often, which is kind of a good thing, you know. You want to be busy. Yeah, but, but uh, that's also a lot of living out of a car with a two-year-old. <laughs> that is. That is that not is. easy. And I tell you, probably for me, what I struggle with as a missionary is just the packing, the unpacking, the loading, and the unloading. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah yeah i bet that. but you know for me i i don't mind traveling I, it's kind of like adventure and mm-hmm. we get to see different places we're in different states obviously uh, we're, we're in different churches meeting you know different people so yeah it's kind of like an, an in and of itself an, an adventure okay give us don't tell us the names okay <laughs> uh give us you know uh Best experience, worst experience at a church when you've been on deputation. Mm. We don't need to know the city or the state. <laughs> no identifying characteristics. Eh, so I'll, just I'll, something that you know we would find interesting. This this might give it away, but uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the two best missions conferences that I have ever been in. You can tell us the names of the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, well, I mean, I'll try to check even on those, okay. but they were fairly large churches uh-huh. and uh, they had a lot of missionaries in um, both of them had uh, if I can remember uh, over six missionaries and so you know it was uh, four days long and the last day of that missions conference they had missionaries spread out in the auditorium and they would have their members uh, come up to each of those missionaries and you know give them a handshake mm-hmm. or a hug and then give them a card. Or even give them money, mm-hmm. and that's like I'm talking about, you know, big churches, uh, yeah. and all the members going to all these different missionaries. And so, for me, that was very touching, very personable. People shaking your hand, giving you a hug, or you know, giving you money. Mm-hmm. And uh, both those missions conferences, we got, um, you know, I'll say uh, definitely more than this, but over a thousand dollars in our love offering just okay. from that one time. More, more than that, but you know. That was that was the the best missions conferences we ever been in. That's great. Yeah. Now, I, and I hate to tell you this, I've never been to a missions conference. So please tell us what a missions conference is. What's the purpose? How do they work? Okay. So the purpose is, you know, obviously you can have different conferences for 
you know, revival conferences, yeah. a, a Bible conference, you know, each conference kind of has a theme. So this conference is, you know, just for missions mm -hmm. to, to, to have these different missionaries come in and, you know, they're from different countries, different backgrounds. And most of the time, each of them can give their testimony uh, uh, and give a presentation of their ministry and what they're doing. Or, you know, those who are uh, on deputation, on deputation going to the mission field, you get to meet them, see their family. And usually missions conference will have a special guest speaker and they'll speak, you know, all about missions, you know, mm -hmm. to to get the people excited to to uh, give to missions because, you know, that's basically the purpose of the missions conference to raise their mission support and to have these missionaries in and you see them, you want to support them. You want to help them. And, you know, you want to fulfill the great commission of the Bible to preach the gospel into all the world. And so, yeah, that's what the missions conference is for just to, um, you know, probably not the best way to describe, but raise awareness, you mm -hmm. know, of missions, of missionaries, and uh, to support those missionaries in their, you know, respective countries that they're going to go to. Okay. And worst experience. <laughs> worst experience. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Let's see. <laughs> These okay. are always funny stories. Yes. Everybody yes, rolls their eyes or cringes when, when you hear about I, it. I hope nobody's listening that, that, knows of this conference. Nobody but... listens to this podcast, and <laughs> don't even worry about it. Well, I, I went to one missions conference, and uh, there were there were too many missionaries there. Oh, and uh, let me think here. Um, oh yeah, so so I went to this missions conference, and uh, I was only scheduled just to give a testimony, ten minute mm -hmm. testimony, and I get there Sunday, and uh, one of the men of the church comes up to me and asks me can you uh do sunday school for us mm -hmm. oh sunday school you know sure Sounds i'm great. not even you know thinking about it mm -hmm. i'm just here you know i can relax <laughs> i yeah. can just attend church sit sure. down in the pew yep. i was like oh okay um sure i can do that and, and i taught actually a sunday school for for uh um uh kids mm -hmm. so that was, that was kind of surprising and uh um we got kind of a, a small love offering from that and mm -hmm. uh it was just maybe a little bit too many missionaries and the time was very limited for all the guest speakers. And there's, there's a lot of guest speakers there plus missionaries. Sure. And so. the whole reason you're going there is to hopefully <laughs> be able to meet some folks and get your name out and, and, yeah. and show everyone the work you're doing, try to raise support. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I will say that uh, I did get to see some, missionary friends of mm -hmm. ours and uh, actually i did get one meeting out of that right of a pastor that uh, i had knew before and he was actually one of my uh, uh teachers in bible college so mm -hmm. so that was a good thing but you know yeah you you as a missionary you get to go to a lot of different churches and conferences and you definitely see what's good and then things that could be improved absolutely yeah. <laughs> and then i'm already thinking of you know our own church in the philippines you know we can implement this idea and we can do this because we saw this happening at this other church. So. Absolutely. It's just amazing to me to go around the country to see churches of all different sizes. And, you know, speak of your church, you got a house church sure. here. So it's uh, it's amazing to see God work in different ways through different people, you know. Okay. Next question. And there's a reason behind this. Okay. Best right. love offering, worst love offering. <laughs> and, and understand one of the reasons is 
there are probably there are lots of pastors that don't understand, don't have a concept of what it costs mm-hmm. to run your family all around this country. And you have some that might have been, you know, giving a missionary 25 bucks and they were doing that back in the fifties and that was fine. (laughs) And all of a sudden, you know, it's very different. So what is it? So I had already mentioned about those two best missiles conferences and those were uh, our our best love offerings we've ever received. Um, And one we were, we were recently at uh, earlier this year, uh, worst love offering. Hmm. Well, uh, this is the worst all off offering, but it's, it's kind of funny that a, uh, a church, uh, supports us mm-hmm. and, uh, they put, uh, a sense change in it as part of their, um, uh, monthly support. Okay. So it's like X number of dollars <laughs> and then X number of cents. <laughs> and I guess they, they do that that way because they split it evenly probably it. among them. Sure. But it's just funny. You know, every month I see 41 cents pops up. Yeah. <laughs> my monthly mission support uh, uh, for a love offering. Um, <laughs> maybe that, that uh, uh, missions conference I missed you about. Too many missionaries and yep. too many guest speakers were there. So oh, yeah. Not, not, not uh, enough offerings to really go around sure. the whole, uh, um, to everybody. I, I get it. And you know, I, um, I was used to do pulpit fill in and I've traveled around and, you know, taught the Bible a little bit, uh, in the, in the realm of evangelism. And after I did that, I came back <laughs> to my home church and I said, you know what? Whenever a preacher comes to visit, I don't care who they are. I don't care how lousy of a job they're doing. I'm stuffing a $100 bill in his hand (laughs) and saying thank you because it is a lot of work to travel around and try to teach the Bible to people. And and it's expensive. It's just just not cheap, especially when you have a family. Yeah, just traveling, especially now with the gas prices. (laughs) Yeah, they've over doubled and in some parts of the country tripled. Yeah, and then they don't. Uh, from hotel to hotel yeah um a lot of places i've been surprised we're just visiting a church Mm -hmm. and uh you know nothing is expected of us we didn't have a meeting that day and so we want to visit this church at least uh, meet the pastor yeah give them our information packet and uh, many times uh, those pastors actually give us a love offering that's awesome um i've even had members of the church they would uh give us a love offering you know the the you know I guess you probably, you know, the money handshake, you know, they have sure, money in there. Exactly. That, that's an yep. uh, awesome feeling, you know. used to knowing how to and take it's, that It's always surprising, and it's almost <laughs> like maybe a little awkward because you don't know what to do or what to say. Sure. <laughs> Except, you know, thank you. Thank you. That's we all. appreciate it. Yep. Yeah. Coming from a guy that's folded up a bill and stuffed it into <laughs> someone's hand, that's you, you're not expecting anything. Yeah. You know, that's uh, it. They say you, thank you, and you're happy that they got the money. Another funny story was uh, at that mistress conference I told you about where we all the members went around and they gave offerings to the mm-hmm. uh, missionaries. <laughs> there was a, a missionary that came out of that church. He was there at the missions conference and he came by us and he gave us some money. And I looked at him kind of making a joke. I said, wait, you're a missionary. You need money. <laughs> he said, I know it's awkward, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> but I was just so touched by that. Another missionary giving money to, you know, missionaries. So That's awesome. It's pretty amazing. And that happened another time too. At a missions conference, um, um, there's another missionary there, and uh, he he I think he sent me a twenty dollar bill. He said, "I want to give this to you. I want to support your 
your ministry. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, wow, you know, for another missionary to give another missionary money, you know, that, that is truly a sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So I've, I kind of took that as example and I, I did that once before I gave some money to another missionary at a missions conference. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Well, we are at the end of our hour. Um, Thank you so much for uh, getting together with us. Uh, anyone that wants to find you, I, I'm thinking the website is fbmi.org, mm-hmm. and they'll yep. be able to look you up. And that's the Vincent family to the Philippines, who will hopefully be getting out there uh, in just a couple of months. Yeah, you could probably just uh, type in my name, Ian Vincent, and then FBMI, and then uh, it should come up. Uh, you'll see a web page of us. Wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. And uh, we're going to have you uh, preach at our church tomorrow night. And we can't wait to meet the rest of your family. And it's going to be a great time. Sounds great. Uh, Hopefully I can be on a podcast again. This is fun. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. And we will talk to you next week.